This is IA Forward, your playbook for success as an independent insurance agent. Here to help you knock it out of the ballpark are your hosts, Shane Tatum and Tanya Lead. Welcome to IA Forward. And it's a fun season for us. It is profit sharing season. And baseball season. And baseball season. And the end of basketball season. The end of basket is. It is the end of basketball season, but it's spring. It's fun. It's And it was 27 uh, degrees yesterday. Yes. It was very, very cold. It doesn't feel like spring in a lot of places across the country, especially Florida. Right. Right now, right? right? I mean, yeah, it's a little bit you know. chilly. That's okay. What that does is that keeps the pollen down during my visit to hey, Texas. I love it. We had a ton of pollen, but we got a big storm, a lot of rain, and it feels so much better today than it did last week. For sure. Absolutely. I have been in Texas for 18 hours and uh, I can still breathe, Mm. which is exciting stuff for me. Good stuff. Good stuff. But it is profit sharing season, also known as contingency season. All right. And I think we need to make sure that our listeners, if you're new to agency ownership or you're looking at becoming an agency owner, I've been in several different situations where you're talking about contingency or somebody's talking about contingency and my phone starts to blow up going, what does contingency mean? Well, contingency is profit sharing. For my big insurance nerds, we can get down in the weeds on this and fine, let's take it offline and we'll have the big discussion about the technical differences between contingency dollars and profit sharing dollars. But for the sake of conversation and for the sake of the majority of retail agency contracts, and what I mean by retail agency contracts, unless you're a large global broker or big commercial broker, things might be a little different. But most of our audience, contingency and profit sharing are the same thing. So if you hear those two words interchanged, they're the same thing. For all intents and purposes, we're talking about bonus dollars. There's another term that could be thrown in there. We're talking about agency bonus. We're talking about profit sharing at the carrier level that gets calculated out, qualified on and shared with agencies or contingency dollars. They all mean the same thing this time of year. I will say this isn't the happiest year for most people in the country when it comes to contingency. Yeah, unfortunately, it's not the happiest second year in a row because last year was not fun for a lot of us down in the South due to the snowmageddon from 2021 that did a lot of damage to profit sharing. This year, it's been inflationary measures from 2022, price inflation issues, price changes, huge loss cost jumps at the carrier level, profitability issues. And so, yes, it's another year of what I would call a downward trend in profit sharing dollars. Now, contradict myself a little bit. I know I see it across our group. I see it across other agency organizations that I'm familiar with. Even though it's down compared to five-year trend, it's back up compared to 2021 results, right? So we are trending back up. That's going to happen over the next couple of years as well. So let's share with our list how to set their agency up to maximize those profit sharing dollars. A lot of agencies have FOMO and they just grab carriers and they just don't want to miss out on a carrier. If they can get a carrier to give them access, they just grab it. I think there should be more of an intentional effort to go, okay, yes, I need carrier access. I need quality carriers to offer my clients. But I really think it's worth putting the carrier agreements and the carrier relationship through the lens of maximizing compensation on one side. That is a portion of what you should look for as an agency owner. 
profit sharing dollars has the potential of adding 15, 20, even 25% in some cases to your revenue. It's East Texas terms, not nothing, right? So I know you love that grammar, Um, (laughs) but it's not nothing, okay? It's something to pay attention to. I am one to build my business, our business on operating income. So I am one to think truly about profit sharing as unexpected gravy or bonus. That's just sort of the mental side of the way I look at it. However, if you are operating and you have a group of, say, 15 or 16 different carriers and eight of those carriers offer profit sharing and the other eight do not, well, then I think you need an intentional effort to look at those eight that are aligned with you as a partner that offer profit sharing dollars, those eight carriers need to be at the forefront of what you and your staff are doing each and every day. So let's talk about setting a budget. I know one of the things that I hear you share with agents all the time is that when you're setting up your budget for your agency, and I used the B word, yes, I did, uh, but to ignore those profit sharing dollars because they're just not consistent. And if you're setting up your budget including those profit sharing dollars and you have a year like 2021, then your agency can be in big trouble. It's just like your personal income. In a lot of cases, this is the agent situation, but it's just like having a job and having a salary and having a bonus opportunity. You would not set up your budget annually and then break that down into monthly, etc., and include something that may not happen. And that is a reality of profit sharing dollars is it may not happen. When it does happen, well, then great. You can do something with it. You can pay down debt. You can reinvest and hire more people, producers. You can grow your agency through marketing. There's so many things you can do because it wasn't part of your normal operating budget. So let's explore that further. Let's talk about what to do with profit sharing dollars. I've actually had the question asked to me a few times, do I share this with my employees? Do I keep this for myself and invest it in the business? Do I go on a fabulous trip to Europe? What do I do with these dollars that is most effective to grow my business? I'm another advocate here. Another thing that's big on me is build your employee compensation and your employee bonus opportunities around your operating income, around your operating money. Don't necessarily do that unless there's some key people or something you need to take care of. Don't necessarily do that at the profit sharing level. The profit sharing level, there's options. It's your big reward or big return opportunity as a business owner. Number one, I would say that it's okay to take some of that profit sharing money that you earned through the years of effort. It's okay to bring some of that home. It's also okay to use that money to grow. A lot of the times what we have done is we have used that money to grow, to put things in place that maybe we wouldn't have done on our regular budget or for our operational basis. And that's really what you will hear the carriers talk about is, hey, these dollars are there for you to reinvest and grow. Now, not everybody does it that way. Some people buy boats. I'm thinking that your husband this year, if he was in the insurance business, since boat is his word of the year, if he got a profit sharing check, he would go buy a boat. Yeah, we're getting our bonus in four days. 
And right. I can assure you, he's got four of them picked he's, out. He's got a boat picked out. So, <laughs> I mean, that's okay. Like, I'm not going to ridicule an agency owner for doing things like that. There is a reward there. I am a big proponent of reinvesting, though, if you want to take your agency to another level, if you want to continue to grow your agency, use a whole nother level that you want to get to. Because I think agencies have layers or levels. Some agencies are really happy at a standard of living of X, but another group or another group of agency owners may want to go up to the level of Y. And it's whatever you want to do. We retrofitted all of our hardware to be mobile for all of our people. So docking stations, big monitors, everybody got a laptop. This is post-COVID. And this was from profit sharing dollars that we were able to use to say, we're going to take this thirty dollars or $40,000 that we received, and we're going to put that money into that technology improvement, which then a couple of years later has led us to this hybrid work thought, this area of I've got a, a sick kid. They can't go to school because they ran a fever last night. Can I work from home? And now that is available throughout the organization. These are investments that we made specifically in technology that was actually hardware that allowed us to be mobilized as an organization. Also, from a marketing perspective, we did really nice logoed computer backs to make sure that all of those computers were protected. We did. Little things that we used to make an investment. The other thing, and you're going to love this one, I know, is building your brand and marketing with those dollars. Having a campaign, setting aside, because we know that you can't do one month of marketing and go, okay. It didn't work. Where's everybody at? We know that this needs to happen for probably 12 months, probably 12 to 18 months. I know it needs to be continuous, but we know this needs to happen for some period of time. And so taking some of that profit sharing money that you receive and then creating a brand building, marketing building, community relations type budget that allows you to spend some dollars that you wouldn't ordinarily spend out of your operating budget. That's a fantastic use of growing your business. Or you put your agency's logo on your boat. Get you a boat wrap. There you go. (laughs) Why not? Why not? Some of our listeners may be looking at joining a group to have carrier access. And one of the things that I see as a big difference in some of the different groups are the profit sharing opportunities that some groups provide and some groups don't. Every group's different, has different compensation, whether we're talking about loosely organized cluster groups to franchise organizations to exclusive agency networks versus cafeteria plan networks. Some groups share profit sharing dollars. Some groups don't. That's one of the questions that should be asked as you're looking into organizations that you might join or organizations that you might become a part of is how do you handle profit sharing dollars? What do you do with that? Do I get to participate in that? What are the requirements for participating in that? Yeah. So here's the thing from a direct contract basis, non-group oriented thing, there's usually a minimum amount of premium and then a minimum loss ratio that you have to achieve in order to even qualify. Just even get on the profit sharing table, spreadsheet chart, the one with written premium on one axis and another one has a loss ratio on the other axis. Think about a profit sharing table is like an XY axis. You have a table, you have premium on one end, you have loss ratios on the other, and depending on how good your loss ratio is and how much premium you write, those dollars, those points, those extra points that you get paid and qualify for can go up or down. And so there's all these other factors like growth factors. Some 
some carriers have carrier rank. If I'm number two or I'm number one or I'm number three, I might get a kicker multiplier against my profit sharing. Profit sharing is it's so... like taking the lottery to the next level. Yeah, it's so awesome to study. And it's really things that carriers put a lot of energy into. They have compensation teams that manage this. And so when you think about it and think about joining a group, the whole point of doing that is hopefully if that group shares their profit sharing, being able to qualify for instance, at potentially a lower premium volume. Because you're starting out, you're growing an agency, you don't have a half a million with one carrier and a half a million with another carrier day one. But you might have 70,000, you might have 100,000 with carrier A, you might have 150,000 with carrier B, and on and on and on. Most of those minimum premiums, obviously the group's going to have met. That's part of the advantage of joining a group. The other thing is diversification for that loss ratio piece being able to have a diversified loss ratio across several agencies. That's another benefit. The biggest one is just being able to qualify at potentially a lower threshold. And I know that's how we work. I know that that's a benefit. So a $2 million in premium personal lines agency, uh, in order to maximize their profit sharing dollars, would almost have to write all their business with one or two carriers if they were on a direct contract basis. However, they can be across four or five carriers and still qualify for four or five different profit sharing checks inside a group. There's different elements there. Diversification is a big proponent. It is something that's going to add potentially 10, 15, or even 20 plus percent to your revenue. It's got to be a high level of consideration when thinking about joining a group. Do you share? Do you provide me an opportunity to earn profit sharing as a member of XYZ agency group? The flip side of that, what if you've had the best year ever, but somebody else within the group, maybe not so much. Depends on the group. A lot of groups, you still have a loss ratio component and you still need to qualify because if you don't, if everybody just gets to play, no matter what your results are, I know there are some groups out in the marketplace that do that. That's probably going to be short lived. Oh, it doesn't matter what my results are. I still get to play. Well, how long is that really going to last? At some point, it's going to hurt the group. My position is there's got to be a performance piece to it. You've got to be able to bring value as a member in terms of profitability. There are some things that happen from time to time, like some random loss that kicks you out. I think that's part of the scenario. The good part about that is groups generally can lock in. I know our group has initiated a lock-in mechanism for our agency members as well. If the group locks in, the members can lock in. If a carrier offers a profit-sharing lock-in, generally they're going to do that around September 30th, end of third quarter, based on your results through the third quarter. And let's say you qualify. You qualify for as an organization for $100,000 in profit sharing. And if you choose to do so, you can lock in, think bird in the hand. So think about it that way. So I've earned this money. I know I'm going to get it if I sign off on quote locking in. Now, if I lock in, 
guess what? The carrier is going to charge me for locking in. And what you're doing is you are leveraging that lock-in against something happening to you in the fourth quarter. Because something could happen in the fourth quarter that kicked you out of the bonus altogether. We had a East Texas tornado on Christmas Eve, probably been about 10 years ago now. And if you were an insurance agency in the East Texas area, it did a lot of damage. Wow. And if you weren't locked in, you probably got kicked out of your profit sharing opportunity six or seven days from the end of the year. And so I typically lock in. The general average rule is they're going to charge you 15% of your lock-in amount. Now, here's the really cool thing. Let's say you lock in and they're going to charge you 15%. So follow me on the math. You got 100,000 coming. They charge you 15%. They're going to take 15. So we're at 85. We're at 85. Right. However, if nothing happens and things are good and your check at the end of the year calculates out to be 200,000, they're still only going to take 15% of your 100, gotcha. your lock-in amount. Okay. That's the way most of these agreements work. And so you're really crazy not to lock in, in my view. That's just, I, I don't want to stand up in front of all of our member agencies and partners and go, yeah, we had some money, <laughs> but I didn't lock in. And so uh, we're not getting it. And so I tend to lock in and that's just something that you do. And we also allow our partners to do the same. We do. We actually do an automatic lock-in as of 2023. That's something new that we've introduced as an automatic lock-in. If the group is locked in, the partner's locked in. Profit sharing is a roller coaster ride at times. And the problem for agencies across most parts of the country is the real struggle of the last two years is based on how good 2019 and 2020 were. As the world was going through a pandemic, the insurance industry from a property and casualty standpoint was making a lot of money and was having lower losses. And we benefited tremendously as a distribution channel in 2019 and 2020. It's like, what happened? Well, okay, if we go back and really look at it, those years were tremendous. They were tremendous years over the last decade. We really just kind of went back to where we were before those years spiked on us. What's happening is we're starting to see things trend or we maybe will see some things start trend the other direction. If the historical reference is worth anything, and I know we're in a new world, the typical cycle is that hard years in terms of low profit sharing dollars are generally followed by a run of good years. So you take it on the chin for a couple of years, you have two to three times those years of good runs, and then you tend to fall back into that take it on the chin mode. That's the cycle. So let's look at uh, the perfect situation. I'm starting my agency. I've been in this a year and a half. How do I select my carrier portfolio to maximize my contingency bonus opportunities? All things being even, if you're looking across your carrier portfolio and you're trying to choose your go-to carriers, and and we're going to say all things being even, first of all, who offers it and who doesn't? Because not every carrier 
offers profit sharing or contingency dollars. They just don't. Those carriers may tend to pay a little higher front end commission. So you got to take that into consideration. You're getting maybe an extra point here on the front end, but you're losing the potential of two or three extra points on the back end. First of all, which of my carriers actually offer profit sharing in the first place? Uh, It's kind of like if you're talking about policy download or commission statement download, which of my carriers offer these efficiency tools that are going to help me be profitable and efficient over the long run? I think you take that same approach to profit sharing. Who does it? Once you lay those things out there, you then think about it from a standpoint of if I've got a group of carriers that are competitive and pay claims well and offer me great service and they also offer me profit sharing opportunities and then I got another batch of carriers that do the same things but they don't offer me profit sharing opportunities, then I got to think really long and hard about who's going to get my attention. And I think that is just good business. I'm never about compensation only, but when all things are equal, there is somewhat of a tip the scale opportunity here for those that are bringing profit sharing opportunities to the table. I had an agent one time argue with me that he never did that because he didn't feel as though that was the best way to serve his client. That argument is based on the fact that what is the best thing that serves your client. If you're an agent that says the best way to serve my client is to constantly shop for the cheapest, best price I can find them in the marketplace. And this particular agent uses the word cheap in his advertising. So if you're using the word cheap, there's a little bit of a red flag. That's not necessarily the best thing for your client in my view. The best thing for your client is are they paying a fair price. They have a great client experience. Do they, are claims getting paid on time without a ton of problems? What makes up the best thing for your client? Because the best thing for your client could be different based on your business model. Anybody can take that out of context and just throw that out there. I totally disagree with that argument in the sense that if you're telling me the best thing for your client is the cheapest, lowest cost of insurance, well, anybody can do that based on pulling back coverage. That's not the the best thing for your client. If your coverage isn't right, if you're not insuring them and transferring their risk and giving them the best protection, well, then that's irrelevant at the end of the day. You have to realize, well, what's the context of this? And in order to do this and do this well in the marketplace as a professional insurance agent, well, that extra compensation helps you do that. It helps you put the right number of people in place. It helps you reinvest in your business business and so forth. And so I just think that argument is fairly shallow. We're here in East Texas. We have a lot of knowledge about the South Central, Southeastern part of the country. Does profit sharing change geographically? It can. Most of the tables and most of the agreements are countrywide type things. But how you get there can be different. For instance, our average premium in the state of Texas is much higher than the average premium in the state of Indiana. It's our exposure versus their exposure. If you're in Louisiana or Florida, bless your heart. Bless your heart right now. You know, Louisiana, same thing. Florida, same thing. Most of your profit sharing agreements are qualified 
on written premium as a premium threshold, but they are paid on earned premium and loss ratios. Earned premium is the dollars of premium that have been paid throughout the year. So when you're starting out, your written premium is going to be much higher than your earned premium. And over the course of time, if you slow your growth down, your earned premium is going to catch up. If you never really slow your growth down, then your earned premium is going to trail behind your written premium. The calculation is always going to be based on earned premium. The reason that's important is because in Texas, when you have three times average premiums than you do in Indiana, well, then you got to do a whole lot more business in the state of Indiana in terms of policy count to reach the same earned premium levels. That being said, one of the trends that I've seen that's a little worrisome for me is this idea of organizations that are based in non-cat areas putting out this idea that, hey, you guys from the cat areas, come join us here and we're going to guarantee you some profit sharing. There's a trend going on out there in the agency aggregation group world where that has happened. I think it's short-lived and I think it is concerning because carriers aren't going to play that game for long. They're not going to just allow that to happen. And what I don't love about that is you're kind of gaming the system and it's not a good industry distribution system thing. We tend to think about things from this aggregate macro industry, macro channel view, and we try to stay away from things that are just going to hurt the channel itself. That is something that has made me a little concerned about trends that I've seen over the last few years. This is certainly not the time our channel has enough pressure from a pricing standpoint and a profitability standpoint because of the last couple of years. We don't need extra pressure on the profitability measurement. I think it's great if you're a short-term play. If you're a short-term play, you're going to jump in, you're going to get some premium paid out, you'll get some a premium thrown into a big bucket, and you're going to get some dollars paid out. Great. But what about year four? What about year six? Don't forget, we're celebrating our 40th anniversary here. So there's a long-term infinite game play, and then there's some short-term plays. And I think that's important to think about when you're thinking about, okay, I'm going to join a group. I'm going to be independent and go direct with my contracts, or I'm going to join one of these short-term plays that might get me some money next year. That's something we have to be careful about. That part is very geographic. I'm going to leave us today with this quote from John Wooden. Ability may get you to the top, but it takes character to keep you there. Attitude's a choice. Make a great one. Bye, y'all. Ready to get the ball rolling with your independent agency? Learn more at IntegraAgent.com. That's IntegraAgent.com. Thank you for joining us on IA Forward. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now or learn more at IAForward.com.